Chapter 22, March 1990, age 35. After a while, the warrants dangling over Robert's head caught up with him. In October of 1988, he was arrested. With the help of a lawyer, he was able to receive a sentence of one and a half to three years. He served 18 months at Marcy Correction Facility. Prison was, in part, a place where Robert had time to purge his body of the drugs that dominated his life. When he got out in 1990 with a clear mind intact, he finally heeded the advice of his family and didn't return to CC. Since Robert was getting out of jail early, he had to serve the remainder of his sentence under the watchful eyes of a parole officer. The parole board required that before he could be released, he had to have a place to live and job prospects. Since his mother and father had moved to Florida, Robert moved in with his sister Anna while he got his feet back under him. With the help of Nikki's father, who had connections within the labor union, he got a job escorting large trucks around Kennedy Airport. Other times, he would stand around all day at a job site, waiting for a licensed contractor to finish his work. When he was done, Robert was responsible for cleanup. He made good, honest money, working 35 hours and grossing about $7.50 a week. To help ensure drugs and alcohol no longer played a role in his life, the parole board also required that he get involved with Narcotics Anonymous. Normally, new attendees attended 90 meetings in the first days, as recommended by N.A. Robert's parole officer required he only attend three times a week. On his first day of freedom, Robert settled in at Anna's before he walked to his first N.A. meeting, located at St. Helen's School in Howard Beach. He was about 30 minutes early when he reached the school's campus, sweating due to the unusually warm April weather. He saw a white placard with two large blue A's on the double doors just to the left of the sanctuary. Entering the building, he wandered down the poorly lit hallway until he came to a classroom on his left where the lights were on. He leaned in through the doorway and saw the back of a man in front of a table where he was arranging drink cups. Am I at the right place? Robert asked. The man turned around and Robert was taken aback. It was Anthony Ruggiano, his old running buddy and son of Fat Andy. Robert, he said. Anthony sat the remaining cups on the table and walked over to him. Robert was unsure how to react, considering the relationship between the two men had turned cold several years back. But as Anthony approached him with a smile and open arms, it became apparent that whatever hard feelings Anthony once harbored against Robert were no longer there. The men hugged. Anthony said, I'd heard you got out, but I didn't expect to see you. Well, at least not here. Yeah, well, it's part of my parole, and I need to get my life back on track. So, Anthony nodded. So, what are you doing here? Anthony raised his eyebrows ever so slightly. My dad. He told me I had to get clean, so he got me into rehab. They recommended when I got out to join AA. Now I help out by hosting meetings. He pointed over to the concession table just as more people came through the door. Anthony looked at them. Listen, I got to finish up, but we'll talk more after the meeting. Robert nodded as Anthony went back to the table. He then found a seat near the back of the room. During the meeting, Robert was a little nervous as he waited for his turn to introduce himself. As he spoke, he noticed the expressions on the faces of some of the other attendees, an expression that indicated they knew who he was. It turned out he was correct. After the meeting was over, several of those people came up to Robert and told of how they knew him through so-and-so, and did the events for which he was legendary really happen.
Of course, Robert loved the attention, and he especially liked having new, admiring friends who were just as serious as he was about going straight. It made it easier for him to cut ties with old friends who were still involved in drugs and heavy drinking. His social life began to revolve around the AA meetings, which he attended almost every night. It was at one of the meetings he met Linda, a sassy, dark-eyed Italian girl with long black hair. Their conversation was the natural result of two people who liked sitting near the back of the room. One of those conversations included information about her mother's basement apartment, which currently was vacant. Robert intended to live with his sister Anna until he could find a place of his own, and from the way Linda described it, it sounded like a nice place at a price he could afford. The only drawback, according to Linda, was that her mother was a tough lady. She even referred to her as a gangster. Robert knew he would like her before he even met her. On April 20th, he went to the address Linda had given him on 106th Street. It was a clean two-story house with white shingle siding and a concrete stoop that was connected to the street by a sidewalk slightly fractured in several places by the hard freezes of many New York winters. On the side of the house was a dog run made of chain-link fence. Two Rottweilers were angrily barking at Robert, jumping on the fence and furiously pacing. Without thinking, Robert reached behind his back, searching for a gun tucked away in his pants. For many years, he had depended upon a weapon for protection. Now, as his hand groped at nothing but air, he realized his new life would have to depend upon his own abilities to get him out, better yet, keep him out of any unpleasant situations. Robert extinguished his cigarette on the curb and walked up to the stoop, careful to avoid the cracks in the sidewalk. As he opened one of the French doors that led inside, he saw the staircase that went to the upstairs apartment. Linda told him that she, her mother and sister, lived on the second floor apartment and to knock on the door when he came. As he reached the top of the stairs, he saw an attractive young woman in her 20s come out of the door with a basket of laundry hanging on her hip. Due to the similarities between her and Linda, Robert knew it was highly probable that this was Linda's sister. Hey, let me give you a hand with that, he said as he approached. The woman was startled at first. Robert could see she was thinking about going back inside. It's all right. I'm here to check out the basement apartment. Maybe rent it out. You must be Lauren. Again, the woman didn't say anything. I'm Robert. I met your sister, Linda. She told me about you and your mom. Oh, yeah, she said. Sorry, I just... Hey, it's all right. Where are you going with this? Robert reached for the basket. She can handle it herself. Another woman appeared in the doorway. Robert assumed it was Linda and Lauren's mother. In her 50s, she was a very pretty woman with dark hair and the same hazel brown eyes as her daughter. Can I help you? Yeah, Linda told me you're renting out your basement, wanted to check it out. The woman hesitated for a second. All right, stay right there. I got the key. You, she said to Lauren, get that laundry going. Lauren scurried down the staircase and disappeared while her mother shut the door. Robert wanted to follow Lauren, thinking her mother would catch up with him, but then he didn't want her to think he was chasing after her daughter and ruin his chance of getting the apartment, so he stayed until the older woman returned. It took her more time than what would have been expected to retrieve a key, but she finally returned and opened the door. She had her cordless handset pressed against her ear as she signaled for Robert to follow her. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. Listen, I got someone looking at the apartment right now. I'll call you later. 
She pressed the call button to disconnect and returned her attention to Robert as she made her way down the stairs. I think this thing is going to grow to my ear one of these days, she said, referring to the phone. All right, let's go check it out. The entrance to the steps that led down to the basement was under the second floor stairs. The woman chatted all the way down both flights, pointing out along the way that her sister and family lived in the first floor apartment. When they entered the basement, Robert saw Lauren putting the clothes into the washing machine located next to the dryer in the common area. She smiled at him and gave a nervous glance toward her mother as she unlocked the basement apartment door. Anyway, let's go in, the mother said. Name? Excuse me? Robert said as he followed inside. Name? Didn't you get a name when you were born? Robert snickered. Well, I get called lots of things, most of things which I can't repeat, but you can call me Robert. This time it was her turn to laugh. We must hang around the same people. I'm Barbara. Where are you from? Brooklyn. What part? Grew up around Fulton and Rockaway. Moved over to Richmond Street when I was older. I see. The door led directly into the bedroom. Like everything else he'd seen so far, it was clean and neat with a full-size bed and nightstand. It's a two-room apartment, fully furnished, Barbara said as they walked from the bedroom into the next room. You've got the living room and kitchen area, and then the bathrooms through this door over here. She walked to it and stood to the side as Robert glanced in. The only downside is you might have to put up with a little noise from the washer and dryer just outside, but that usually doesn't happen except a couple of times a week. Robert shrugged. I don't think that'll be a problem. Robert saw another set of stairs. That leads to the outside? The backyard. We have a pool. You're welcome to use it. How much is the rent? I think 500 is a fair price. Do you? Sure. Sounds good. She moved directly in front of Robert. So what do you do, Robert? I mean, for a living. Robert hesitated, his mind not totally wrapped around his new lifestyle. I just started a job with a construction company. Barbara stared at him. You're an ex-con, aren't you? Robert started to speak, but Barbara interrupted. Don't try denying it. Linda already told me. Besides, I've been around enough of them to smell an ex-con a mile away, especially the mobster type. Robert felt defiance arise at first, but caught it in time to keep from saying something regretful. Look, Barbara, I'm not looking to start any trouble. I just need a chance to get my life back in order. You can understand that, right? Barbara pursed her lips, considering Robert's words. You have someone to vouch for you? The only people Robert knew were involved with crime, so he said the name of the first person he thought of that wasn't. My mom? Slowly, a smile grew on Barbara's face, and the smile grew into uncontrollable laughter. Robert wasn't sure if the laughter should have been an insult, but he did know that it often produced good results. You're a funny guy, Robert. After she wiped away the tears, she held out her hand. Let's see the money. Robert slipped his wallet from his back pocket and took out five $100 bills from it. He handed them to her. Okay, she said with a pleased tone. Keep your nose clean, and I mean absolutely no drugs, and we'll call it a deal. To Robert, Barbara was very likable. She regularly invited Robert upstairs to eat with her and her girls, and chatted with him when he brought her the rent money. He learned that she had dated several men Robert knew from his old life, including one that was close with Jimmy Burke. What she told him about the laundry being done only a couple of times a week ended up being not so accurate. After he moved in, Lauren whom he learned later on hated doing laundry, 
was in the basement almost every day, washing, drying, folding, and hanging clothes. Since Robert was no longer going out and getting high or drunk in the evenings, he spent a lot of his downtime in his apartment, often leaving the entry door open. This gave him the opportunity to have many extended conversations with her in the common area, and eventually in his apartment, where they soon became intimate.